Hi, I'm Mary Worden, and this is Premier Health Now on Air, COVID-19 edition, a Premier Health podcast. This is the week of October 5th, 2020. If you've listened to other episodes of this show, then you probably know that I am truly struggling with the concept of time right now, and quite frankly, I rarely know what day it is. Alexa, what month is it? The current month is October. And you know what October means. It means that it is spooky season. And last weekend, when I was decorating my front porch with spooky things, I started thinking about all of my past Halloween costumes. I've been a mermaid more than once, a zombie, a ballerina, the female version of Joker, a bunny, and one time when I was a kid, I was a bag of grapes. Thank you for that one, Mom. Then I got a little curious about the history of costumes and Halloween, and I went down a deep, deep rabbit hole. I know you're not here for a history lesson, so I will spare you most of what I learned, but I did learn that Halloween has been around for a very long time, and the meanings and traditions around the holiday have changed quite a bit since it was first celebrated. But it was believed that this was a time when spirits could walk the earth. So, long story short, people feared that they would encounter ghosts if they left their homes. And to avoid being recognized by these ghosts when they left their homes after dark, people would wear masks. At the time, they thought that this would make the ghosts mistake them for fellow spirits. Enter my next random thought. What other masks had I worn over the years? I have vague memories of being a little lamb in a school play. I went to Comic-Con once and dressed up like the pink Power Ranger, Mardi Gras. And when I was 16, I got injured really bad in a basketball game, broke my nose, had reconstructive surgery that night, and had to wear the most annoying face mask of all time for months after surgery. My teammates called me Hannibal for a short period of time, and they weren't wrong. So back to current times, while the majority of us have never been required to wear a mask this much for this long of a period of time, we've all been around masks before. So why is it so complicated for so many people to just wear their masks right now? Joining us today to talk about masks, Halloween, and so much more is Premier Health's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Mark Belcastro. Dr. Belcastro, I'm very excited to talk to you about masking and Halloween, but first let's talk about some recent data. The number of new daily COVID-19 infections in the U.S. continued to rise this past week. Daily cases were largely on a downward trend through August and early September from highs in July, but are now going up again. What are your thoughts on why we're seeing this upward trend in new infections with some states recently setting and breaking records? I'll start with the uh, our local uh, rise in Ohio. Uh, I think so. I don't think so. The the rise in Ohio cases right now is corresponding with two things. Uh, one is uh, Labor Day celebrations. While generally we start seeing the peaks of Labor Day uh, of holiday celebrations about three to four weeks into it. This one may have been a little delayed with hospitalizations as it was a different group of people. Uh, 
uh, a more healthier population uh, that's not necessarily hospitalized, uh, but they do get infected, but then they, then they can transmit it to those at risk uh, in their families or friends that then become hospitalized. So we're seeing uh, a Labor Day impact right now, and we are also seeing some effect from all the schools opening, colleges and uh, high schools, middle schools, uh, and any of those outbreaks that are occurring and then being brought home to families and subsequent spread that way. As far as some of the Midwest states now where we're seeing Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, sort of that center Midwest area starting to peak, uh, two things. Uh, you know, we've seen peaks in various parts of the country. That area has been spared. Uh, could it have created a little bit of lax in their uh, masking and behaviors as, and also the policies and closures that the governors and local uh, municipalities, you know, decided to open or close schools? It could have been a little bit of, uh, of lax in that. Uh, I think it's I think it's related to also just behavior of the people, uh, the, the masking compliance, you know. Uh, so I think we're going to see that. You know, you've heard, we've heard recent statistics that still 90% of the people in the United States remain uh, susceptible. That's a large percentage. So any, la any lapse in our behaviors as, in regards to masking or any openings that whether we agree with them or not, we're gonna see an impact of all of those behaviors. We try to keep them under control as best we can, but every decision that we make will have, will have an impact. I don't wanna say a consequence, but we'll see more infections. We do know the average age is younger, which is reflective of schools uh, and colleges, almost 10 years than the peaks that we're see we were seeing in the spring. And it takes a large number of people to make a change of 10 years, uh, a lot of young people have to be impacted for that average age to drop like it has. Let's stay on the topic of that younger age group that you mentioned, mainly college students. College campuses across the country are experiencing outbreaks. I'm curious, as the holidays are approaching, how can families keep COVID-19 at bay when students come home from college? Or are students better off staying on campus? I guess we would have to first assume that the colleges would allow them to stay. Let's assume they would allow them to stay. I, I think, I mean, there might be a small minority of families that would make individual decisions. They may have a loved one at home that is extremely high risk and, and, and make a challenging decision. I'll just stay at school over the holidays. But I think that's going to be a small minority. I think lar largely most students want to go home. Who doesn't want to be home on the holidays? I mean, my goodness, that's one of the hardest things. You know, we, we've had to forego a number of traditions and things in 2020. Uh, one of the most challenging ones will be the holidays as we alter our plans. I think that if families do have at-risk people at home, when their uh, students come home, they can try to practice some distancing and some strategic masking even in the home for a period of time uh, while awaiting to see if there were any outbreaks reported after the student uh, got home. You know, you, they could have gotten home and said everything was fine and then 
three days later, the student learns that their roommate had it. So, you know, what is that period of time? It, it, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I don't think it has to be 14 days. But I think, you know, maybe those first five days at home, if they can be extra cautious about proximity, distancing, masking, hand hygiene until they learn that the environment that they left at school had they weren't exposed to anything could could is a reasonable in between to get your your uh, your children home for the holidays and still be safe. There are people of all ages who fall on both ends of the spectrum. Some people who still think that COVID nineteen is a hoax, and others who are living in fear. What are your thoughts and suggestions on where to draw the line between being cautious and safe and being too scared to do anything? Yeah, both extremes are are, are unfortunate because the extreme fear paralyzes people. Uh, it seems like those with a lot of fear could be the elderly, uh, people who, who may be uh, at risk for other diseases. And I think what's important for us in our communities and neighborhoods and circles that we uh, live and work and walk in, whether it's church related or however we know people, to be willing to reach out and help them if we, if we do know that they have uh, some extra fears about going out. Uh, the other thing too, uh, if those people are, are venturing out and going to the grocery store, uh, whether we believe in masks or not, why wouldn't we wear one just out of respect for their fear? I mean, how, how hard is it for me to put on a mask because a 75 year old lady or gentleman who are walking over to Kroger's are extremely fearful? That just shows that just shows respect and kindness, and I think it's time for for our society to, you know, we had a lot of respect and kindness in the spring when when we were really worried about what's going to happen. It's a little bit fading now with some of the other divisiveness in the country, but it's time to reignite some of that. As far as the hoax, it, I I don't know what to say to, to that foolishness. I mean, you know, how could you mimic? Uh, what we saw in New York and Arizona and Florida, you know, at the at the morgues and and the uh, our healthcare workers. I mean, how could so many people collaborate together to create such fictional uh, documentaries on TV? Uh, I, that's just highly unlikely. Uh, so if you believe it's a hoax, uh, I, I don't know how to help you. And <laughs> with that. Uh, the, the evidence is too overwhelming for us to say it's a hoax. I, and I don't know what advice I can give those people. They're going to stay on their social media or their political slants and believe what they want to believe. You're not going to be able to convince them otherwise. Fortunately, it's a minority. Nursing homes and assisted living facilities can begin allowing indoor visitation on Monday, October 12th. What are your thoughts about what could result from visitations resuming? So I think. Having had a personal experience, so my mother uh, had Alzheimer's and uh, she actually passed away this past March. And uh, my sister was her, she was in a, a memory care facility in Columbus. And my sister was her primary care giver. Uh, she would go in twice a day and make sure everything was done uh, because you know as as much as 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 well as those facilities can function, 
nobody knows your loved one like you do, the nuances of their diet, what they like, what they don't. Make sure she was, she was bathed and brushed her teeth and got to bed. So as soon as my sister was closed out of there, uh, it was within a, a couple of weeks when my mom got sick with something else, got hospitalized, and subsequently passed away from that, which, you know, as, as hard as it is to say, in some ways was a blessing because when my sister saw her after two weeks, uh, my sister hardly even recognized her because of the condition of her hair, her cleanliness, they just aren't able to keep up. So imagine all of this time, all of those people uh, not being able to have some of their uh, care provided by families in addition to the, the cognitive and mental and decline that happens by the lack of socialization, those diseases just progress so rapidly. So you have to balance the decline in that population with the risk of COVID, which could be death. And there's no right or wrong answer of how you balance that. I think, it's, I think some might argue it should have been sooner, but nevertheless, I think it was a good decision to allow that. I just think that the nursing homes have to have really well-defined protocols. The people entering them have to make sure they mask at all times, abide by all the processes. Uh, and if you aren't willing to, you just cannot come in. And you just have to be as strict military, disciplined about all of the protections. And I think it's manageable. And if you know you've been exposed, uh, you just have to be honest about it and not come in, again, that respect for other people and their lives. So I, I think it's doable. It's gonna take some coordination, some planning, and some strict protocols, but I, I think it can be done safely if everybody, if everybody just does their small part. Dr. Belcastro, I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you so much for sharing something so personal. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who can relate on some level to going through loss and how painful and challenging that must have been to go through during a pandemic. Are there any other last thoughts or suggestions that you might offer to those who will be going in as visitors of these facilities? Yeah, they're going to have to just be with their loved one. There may be other tenants and other people that they have known from the past in there, and it's probably not the time to visit with them, but just to care for their loved one. Uh, some of them may not be having any public dining, so it's going to at least allow their loved one to have them with their with them dur during their meal. Uh, but just really the distancing, the hand hygiene, the mask on at all times, even 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 when you're you know you get to your room with your loved one or however that looks, uh, there's going to there'd be a tendency to want to take it off. I, I would just keep it on. Uh, it may be really hard for them to understand depending on why they're in that nursing home, particularly if it's cognitive related. Like my mom would have, if my sister went in now, my mom would have no idea why she would be wearing a mask. And you would just have to say the reason why and just keep repeating it and stay with it. It's just, it's that discipline and that not just allowing any sort of, I can just do it this one time. If we sort of avoid those moments, we, we will probably uh, prevent some outbreaks. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Dr. Bo Castro is going to talk with us about how to boost your immune system and how to keep your kids safe during Halloween. 
We know getting care comes with a little uncertainty right now. But behind these masks, you'll find unwavering dedication, compassion, and protection for you and the care we provide to you. You won't find us backing down. We won't stop. As long as you need us, we'll be here standing strong because it's who we are and care is behind everything we do. Our care lives here. Premier Health. And we're back. This fall and upcoming winter, protecting yourself against COVID-19 in addition to the flu is imperative as the pandemic continues. On our last episodes, we've heard about the importance of getting your flu shot this year and that it could actually help boost your immune system. I'm curious, what other ways can people strengthen their immune systems amid COVID-19? The only scientific-based evidence in regards to our immune system uh, is around uh, uh, rest, the seven or eight hours, whatever you might need of sleep, uh, in addition to eating healthy. I don't know that there are any, there, is a lot, there are a lot of supplements that report immune enhancement, but you know, if you always read the fine print, it says this has not been studied by the FDA, and so there are really no studies to validate it. Uh, m- many of them don't cause any harm other than uh, to your wallet, uh, but if people choose to take those, that's fine, but I don't know that there's any evidence around them. I think the exercise piece uh, is important in that it may help mitigate some of the uh, the risk factors that we hear about for uh, COVID. So people with hypertension, people who may have a predisposition or have type two diabetes, people may, who may be uh, working on uh, weight issues, uh, maintaining exercise will, will help keep those conditions under control, which then put you at risk higher risk for uh, having a more serious COVID bout. But I think just good nutrition and, and, and rest are the ones that at least have been scientifically shown to enhance the immune system. So while trick-or-treating candy probably doesn't fall into the category of good nutrition that you're talking about for boosting the immune system, let's get into Halloween. While each family will need to assess the trick-or-treating situation this year, For people who do want to go trick-or-treating, are there ways to mitigate risks and keep kids safe? So I, I, there are ways that trick-or-treat activities can be done very safely. Uh, What I think we don't know right now is whether some of our districts like, you know, will Huber Heights or will Kettering or Centerville or Fairborn, where they just say there won't be any trick-or-treating. Who knows as we get closer to that point. But let's assume that uh, there's no mandates for no trick-or-treating. What can parents do? So first of all, this is the perfect year to make sure whatever your child uh, decides to use as a costume uh, includes a mask. And if it doesn't include a mask, put a mask on them and do something fun with it. Put some fangs or some teeth or or whatever you want to do on the mask. So that protects the child. The other thing I would tell uh, uh, parents to maybe advise their adolescents or if they're actually walking around with children, I think most of us know when we see uh, parents bringing their children around for trick or treat, they're often 
up at the curb, just letting their children go up to the door, or maybe at somewhat of a distance and sort of keeping an eye on their child. They might want to stay a little closer, particularly if they have children who can't understand instructions. And it, it could be where if they knock on a door and they see that the person who's handing out the treats is not masked, have their child set their bag down on the, on the porch and step away and let them put the candy in it. Uh, if they are masked, then they could do the normal. If, if they have a mask on, the child has a mask on or the teen and they're putting the candy in, I think just those things could make it safe. And, I, and hopefully, again, out of respect and kindness, most people who are going to be, I love handing out candy. That's one of my favorite things to do is to see the kids come around. Uh, I'll have a mask on, of course. And, uh, but, you know, that would just be the kind thing to do for people to just put a mask on, even if they don't believe in it for those children, for those families. But if they don't, you know, one option, I mean, a little less friendly option around the holiday is to just say no thanks and just bypass, you know, walk away from the door if the person doesn't have a mask on. And that's certainly an option that a parent could take, but another option could be set your bag down and step away and uh, let them put the candy in and then go get your bag when they close the door. So it can be done safely. Thank you for those great tips for a safe Halloween, Dr. Belcastro. Are there any other suggestions you would offer to parents this year as they plan for Halloween activities for their kids? You know, people are going to wonder about uh, the candy that's handled and put in a bag. Uh, you know, most of the evidence that's come out has shown that transmission by touching something and then you touch the something that they touched has not been really uh, a main source of transmitting COVID-19, but uh, still as an extra precaution when, the, when you know, you can tell your child, don't, don't eat any on the way. When we get home, uh, you know, you can, I'll take Clorox, any of the candy that's in wrapper, I'll just we'll wipe it all off. Uh, it's probably not a bad idea to do something like that. If it's something that doesn't have a wrapper on it, you could dispose of it, but I can't, Pretty much everything is wrapped these days. You've shared so much important information with us for October. Dr. Belcastro, what's one last thing you'd like to leave our listeners with? I think particularly now that we are so close uh, to the election and we're seeing variations in state responses uh, to COVID, which often seem to be linked to political divides, I, I would ask people if if we were... Uh, trying to decide now whether to go to war because of an attack on our country, we wouldn't ask our scientists and our epidemiologists in the CDC, should we, should we go to war? We would ask our military experts. If we were having a financial crisis and we needed to know whether to raise the interest rates or lower the interest rates or whatever you do in those financial crises or have a stimulus package, we wouldn't ask the CDC and our scientists. So why during a pandemic, which is a scientific medical condition, are we not relying on our scientists, uh, but we're listening to our other people who have opinions? So it, it, we would in those other situations. So why are we now making it political and not listening to our science? The other things that people need to understand as that 
this is something new. This is a new virus, a new, you know, a new disease. Science requires conclusions in science require data. Data requires time. And we live in a rapid news cycle of 24 hours. So we are going to hear tons of headlines, which uh, sound like a fact, a medical fact. And then two months later, we find out that wasn't true. So always keep in mind as we sit on our social media or watch our rapid news cycles and we hear a new back, we hear a new piece of news about COVID, people need to recognize that's just a brief report and it has no scientific data yet to support it. It's just a preliminary read. And so it's really hard for us to understand science moves slow, news moves fast. When the two collide, it's hard to interpret all of this noise. You just have to keep that in mind as you're moving forward and listen to the science, not to the politicians, not to your friends, not to your anti-maskers who have no epidemiologic or scientific training at all. Why would they suddenly become an expert? Uh, it makes no sense. Think back to all the reasons you've had to wear a mask throughout your life. Hopefully some of those are good memories to think about. Try to make something about wearing a mask during this pandemic interesting or fun. If you're crafty, learn how to make masks. If you're a comic book fan, be a superhero. Glam girl, get one with sparkles on it. I know it's getting old and we're all over it, but just like Dr. Belcastro says, it's the right thing to do and it's right to have respect for others. And guys, remember earlier when I was telling you about the history of Halloween? Just like the people back in the day who were trying to avoid being recognized by ghosts, if you have your mask on while you're at the grocery and maybe a baseball hat, you can avoid being recognized by that annoying neighbor who always talks way longer than they should, um, ex-boyfriends, and pretty much anyone who you're not in the mood to talk to because you're just trying to go in and grab a few quick things, okay, neighbor Sally? So I'm just throwing that out there that besides stopping the spread of a major virus, there are some pros to masking that maybe not everyone is talking about, but I know you were thinking it, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, you, you, mm-hmm. You can get more information 24-7 at premierhealth.com slash COVID-19. This has been Premier Health Now On Air, COVID-19 edition, a Premier Health podcast. Our care lives here.